What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Big Thing. Uh, this is uh, I'm excited for this episode, very much so. I get to talk to the magic man, Mark Bernard, and that's right. Uh, he, If you don't know Mark, you really, well, you should. He is a very talented writer. He's a great He's a great podcaster. He, if you don't know him from the Fat Man on Batman show that he does with Kevin Smith. And I am just going to be very excited to talk to him about a few different topics. Obviously, the Batman. We'll talk about that and and his thoughts about what's coming up. I actually, before I even st- started recording, I was we were ta- he and I were talking, and I I want to tell him because I'm kind of it's 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 funny because people come up to me sometimes and be like, hey, guess what I watched in Star Wars and everything too, and that's how I feel when I'm talking to Mark about Batman because I'm doing all the rewatches of, of Batman right now. So I want to go over like my thoughts and the shit that I saw, and he can tell me why I'm wrong. So I'm looking forward to that for sure because there's a lot of things. Um, I don't know, like yeah, I'm I'm excited for this one. But the main thing, as you saw, as I'm going to put in the title on this, I really have been waiting to talk to someone about Arcane. And I asked him, I said, dude, did you happen to see Arcane? Cool if you didn't. He's like, oh, yeah, I did. And I was like, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Arcane. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about Arcane. You guys have recommended it to me. And I watched it. And I thank you so much. It was it was such a great gift. But before we get into that, before we bring Mark in here, I wanted to remind you guys, hit subscribe. As I've been telling you before, show a little bit of class, will you? Just show an ounce of class. That's all we're asking for in this place. Show some class and hit the and hit that subscribe button. The notifications also. And if you haven't done it already, look at the Apple Podcasts little logo we got. We got Spotify. Spotify is working. Spotify is doing some things for us. All right, listen. Enough with me. We're bringing in Mark Bernard and let's do it. It's the big thing. Boom. What's up, everybody? It's the big thing. It's me. What else are you expecting? Well, good. We got some stuff to talk about, man. We got some stuff. And in order to do that, I can talk to someone. I can talk to myself because I'm bored with that at that point. And I'm losing my mind. So I don't want to do that. I want to have someone to talk to. And talking to that person right now, the one and the only, Mark Bernardin is here, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Bernardin. Mark, how you doing, man? Good, Christian. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk to you about a great many things. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's just start with this gem. Let's start with Arcane League of Legends. All right. So I'm going to tell you kind of how this came about. I And I will also tell everybody here is that I don't know what Mark thought about, about it. He might not like it. I have no idea. We're going to find that out in a second. But I will tell you that I'm kind of a casual animation fan you know like there's certainly i for me it's it's rebels it's uh clone wars i watched the when the the, the star wars um what was the one that just came out that they did the bad batch. well the bad batch yes but the other one that they did the japanese uh kind of anime oh, visions yes, yes. Star wars visions. I, I watched visions um and then i watched masters of the universe right i watched so so those those are kind of the animations i dabble in it but i'm not like a hardcore so when they're like arcane i go i don't know what that is and they're saying, you, they're, I'm telling you, you're going to like it. It's science fiction. It's fun. I go, I'm not a big gamer. And they're like, watch it. Dude, I, this is some of the best science fiction stuff, in my personal opinion, I've seen in like the last 10 years. It had emotion. It had, uh, it, like, the, the animation is gorgeous. The fighting was crazy. They didn't hold back on not just the violent side of it, because it wasn't just violent to be violent. It was, it was like effective violence. So I was over the moon about it. What say you? I, uh, I I am a little bit more, I suppose, an animation person than than you are. I'm not like anime is my big blind spot, just because there's so much of it. It's it's mm-hmm. almost impossible for me to know where to dive in. I'm sure people will tell me just watch Attack on Titan, just watch Fully Cooly, just watch One Punch Man, just watch yeah. you know whatever Dragon Ball Z. Um, it's all too much. But you know, I was a Batman the Animated Series guy. Wow. I was a Looney Tunes guy. Like it's and you know. Thundercats and Master of the Universe and Silverhawks and Galaxy. Like, oh, Silverhawks. 
Silver Hawks. <laughs> nice. like, it was it was way more like my childhood than it was yeah. my adulthood. But you know, I, I will still I will still dive when the diving looks good. And I remember seeing the first trailer for Arcane, and I said, "Oh my god!" Like, how much money did they spend on this? And then talking to friends who work in animation, they were like, "Oh, they spent all of the money." <laughs> like, that's not TV money. That's not movie money. That's video game money. That's yeah. that's we make more in microtransactions in a week than any movie will have ever made ever. Yeah. Uh, and they spent all of it on making a video game. And so it's it is the most amazing looking animation I've ever seen. But it's, like that's not enough. Yeah. Right? right. You sit down, it's like, oh, that's gorgeous. And then you just move on. But and I was it, it took me like two or three episodes to really like kind of dig my heels into it and and see it for what it was. Because at first it, it seems very um Here's a, a, a shiny world and here's the dark world. Right. And the shiny world is rich and has advancements and the dark world is like kind of broken. They're scrabbling. And it's it's that same kind of fantasy construct that we've seen a thousand times. Yep. But then they dig deeper into it. Then it becomes this character story. And then the thing that happens in like episode four yeah. happens. Yep. And then suddenly it becomes this very sad tragedy of a story about two people who are just separated by fate and happenstance and accident who should be thick as thieves, but are now dire enemies. And that that part of it is kind of what completely switched me on to it, for real. And this is why you are the writer, because you just sold this that show to everyone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> me and I already watched it. Yeah. Um, it. It is absolutely everything that you just said and more, where it's, it is exactly that. What I really liked and without because I don't want to spoil it for a lot of people, because I don't feel a lot of people know about it enough because i'm still telling people about it and they're like what's that like it's all my brother my brother's not same same type of casual animation guy that i am and he trusts me so he watched it and now he's obsessed with it and now he's now he's doing research on it waiting for season two and all that but it's exactly what you said what they do that's very interesting in this show is they get you involved in a certain story that you think's going a particular way and then they flip it on its head and when they do it you're it's like you would think, oh, really? Well, I thought I was kind of wanted to do, I wanted to follow that, but I never felt that way from yeah. the way that they set up. They set up the world that's so rich and all the rules and the ideas. And there's so many like side stories that are going on that I it, it had like a Game of Thrones type thing to it where I cared. I cared about these little stories. And when it switched to whether it was the politics of the world or you know, like, and everybody had like a thing, whether it was like, so the enforcers for those people out there who haven't seen it yet the enforcers are like the cops of as mark was saying like the the upper like uh privileged group that's and and at first you're like oh i'm gonna hate them but then they let you they humanize some of them and they understand why they do so much and the writing and that's what i wanted to ask you as far as like because i'm sure you watch everything you watch with such a different eye because you're a writer what did you think about the overall writing of 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 this this series i mean it it does this thing where you know it, it, exactly what you said. It leads you down a particular road that you think it's going to travel. And then about halfway down that road where you begin to make assumptions and begin to have like, oh, I've seen a thousand one of these. Here's what's going to happen. And it's just to feel as if you can predict it. And then the event happens. And and, and I don't think it's it's too much of a spoiler to say that there's a time jump involved. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which can either, you know, incredibly aid a TV show um, or it can just be a, a sort of cheap gimmick. But it, when it works, it works because it becomes an emotional um, sort of reset for where the characters are. Yeah. And what began to feel predictable suddenly became surprising, you know, and they and they treat things like, you know, mental illness um, or sort of dissociative personality disorder mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it in a very fair and very sort of even way. And they dramatize it in ways you can only do in animation, right. which made it feel really, really sort of tangibly unsettling to a character you don't want to be unsettled by, you know, because she's tragic. Super tragic. And there's is a lot of heartbreaking stuff. And I, I, like you said, you, you don't necessarily even, even the main villain where you're against him for the majority of it. But even when they let you know, you it's, it's like that Thanos thing. It's like, no, I don't agree with you, but I understand why you're doing what you're doing. Like, right. like I get it. Yeah, you're I get wrong, it. But I get wrong. it. <laughs> wrong. But, but I but I get it. And I also like that they put snarf in this. <laughs> I was waiting. Yes, I was waiting. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, 
where's the enforcers um but no he but even but that was but even as i joke about it i thought that that was the way that they did some stuff too is they 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 have these other life forms and they don't have to they don't over analyze why these things are there or what it is it's just, they're just there yeah, and it, it's like explaining anything no it's like that it's like the new hope style it's like they're not going to tell you why all those ships are there and how they've been beat up and, and all this stuff it just is and that's what i loved about it like there's there's different alien species there's all these things walking around but that's just the way the world is and and may i might have missed this is is it earth like in the future or what, what is it do they ever say uh, you know it's it's unclear. Okay. I don't think they ever say that there was like an earth that was or, you know, in the ashes of the old world or whatever. Right. But I mean, there's lots of place names that don't sound like anything that we've ever heard before. But it also it's unclear if it's like deep future, if it's past, if it's alternate world, if it's just something else completely different. Um, I don't know, you know, but I, I, I love a good deep world. Yeah. Who cares? As long as I just wouldn't know if I miss it. I'll tell you what. The 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 biker gang in, in in Boba Fett episode three could have been in this show and it would have looked more in place and it didn't in Boba Fett. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh Boba Fett! I, I, I don't know where you stand on Boba Fett. I uh, I I stand apart. You stand apart. Um, I stand apart. It's it, it's a hard thing because mystery is one of the like chief tools of storytelling, right? Like the. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you let the audience or the reader or the viewer or whatever do all of this work in their head to make something cool. You give them a little bit and then they start to embroider and they start to build, you know, a mythos. And like, that's what Boba Fett was for like 30 years where like we knew almost nothing about him other than cool armor. um, Fucking like he got Han Solo. That's badass. And then, you know, died rather ignominiously as far as we knew. But the fact that we were then... Yes, came in like a little biatch. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, the fact that we were then able to sort of just live in this world of, you know, but he's cool. How cool is he? Well, he's one of the most dangerous. No disintegrations. He tells him, like, he's a dude who just disintegrates. That's his fucking thing. He disintegrates. Don't do that this time. To start answering those questions, like, this show begins to feel, to me, a bit like the midichlorians of TV shows, Mm. where I didn't need answers for any of these questions. I didn't need any of these backstory filled in for me. I didn't, I just didn't need it. Like it's not making him a richer character. It's answering questions that maybe fans had, but isn't telling me a particularly new story. Um, yeah. And I think- so I, I just, I, I wanted, I wanted pulp. I wanted adventure. I wanted bounty hunting. I wanted doing stuff. I wanted kicking ass. And this is a very, you know, relatively unass kicky show. So I was confused twice by this show. In the first side of it, it was called the Book of Boba Fett, and I think that we all do exactly what you just said, right? We start to have these kind of cool expectations in our heads of what we want it to be about, and the Book of Boba Fett, I thought, oh, maybe we're going to go through either times of his life and chapters of his life where we see, like, when he he's doing a, a side mission for for Vader in in the uh, in the Empire times, or maybe there's some stuff right outside of how he starts getting into it right after the Clone Wars, and and each chapter, and that's what I thought they were going to do with the flashbacks, and then when I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, they're going straight up like Soprano style and they're going to do a gangster story. And it's really not that he's more like the new sheriff in town than he is like the the gangster. And I will say I don't there's a lot that I don't mind. I I, I happen to agree with everything that you just said as far as what they're doing and, and not keeping the mysteries. But I'm enjoying it because to me, it's the same thing where I, I, I love pizza. Sometimes the pizza is really good. I, you're not going to see me. I'm going to bury myself in my, in my office and eat it. But even if it's bad, I'm still going to eat it. And that's kind of how I feel about about Star Wars design. I don't think it's bad. I think there's a lot of stuff in it I like. But I do think it was one of the initial problems that I had when they first announced the Disney takeover of they're going to do a Yoda movie. They're going to do a, a, a Boba Fett. They're going to do Han Solo. It's like Mandalorian has proven. If you come up with new characters, even if the familiar Mandalorian, like, you know, uh, Boba Fett looking armor or whatever, you get more of a pass from people because you're you're creating these characters, new things we don't learn, and there's no expectations. And that's what I think is the problem with whether it's putting Luke in Last Jedi and making changes in the way that they did or this because of that. So I'm hoping that whether it's the Acolyte, Obi-Wan's going to have the same type of challenge, you know, because of, that, of what you're saying, how much mystery, what was he doing on Tatooine? Does he go off world? 
all of it, but I'm I just I trust in Deborah Chow and what she's going to do. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that series. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't I, I can't say that I hate this either, you know, and I, and I'm fully aware that like I can have my own expectations for a show and then come into it and be pleasantly surprised. Right. You know, like I'm allowed to be wrong just as I'm allowed to have you know hopes and dreams. That's totally fine. Yep. Um, I just it, I, there was some tweet I can't remember who said it, but he's like, how weird would it be? If the, they said, we're going to make a Star Wars show, and they made one about a stormtrooper, and then we're going to get another Star Wars show, and it's another dude in the same exact helmet. Right. You know, and yeah. like, was there no other speeds we could go? Like, eh. Yeah. I think that so, what it was, though, I think it was Favreau. I think Favreau, from what I heard, how true it is, I don't know, but from what... He pitched and he was like, because they were, they were like courting him to do like a, a movie for a while. And then he was in a conversation with him and Floney, obviously worked together with, with Clone Wars and Rebels. And I think that he really wanted to do a Boba Fett thing and as a Mandalorian. And they're like, well, he's not really a Mandalorian. He's this and this. So they started to develop and came up with the Mandalorian show. But Boba Fett was Favreau's favorite. And so he wanted to write this. I mean, kind of like the side deal that they gave him that they'll let, you, let him do a side story with, with Boba. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, and listen, I, I was also kind of um, underwhelmed by the beginning of The Mandalorian. Oh, okay. Um, by the time you get to the end of the first season, like, I was kind of on board. And all of the second season, I was there for it. Um, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't discount the ability of, of Favreau and Filoni to stick the landing. Yeah. Um, I just think that, that at this point, this show, it's got a higher degree of difficulty to stick that landing for me and the fact that there is no baby Yoda to distract me from the fact that I'm not that thrilled with the way we're not sticking the landing. I was like, there's no shiny here yet. Rancor is not doing it for you? It is not doing it for me. It's like, is that fucking baby Yoda? Is that baby Yoda the cutest thing in the world? Oh my god, look at fucking baby Yoda. Right. Boba Fett just doesn't have that yet. Other than Tamura Morrison keeps saying, I am Boba Fett. I am Boba Fett. I am Boba Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> Funny you say that. I was taught, I on my last review, I said that they, they should make a rest a WWE type shirt that says I am Boba Fett, except it's it's gotta have somebody in caption going, Who cares, dude? <laughs> he says it to everybody. And yeah, like yeah. yeah, did you see I forget, did you say did you did you see the last episode? Yeah, 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 I did. So he grabs the little droid by kills the little droid, I am Boba Fett, and the droid shuts himself off. I'm like, dude, you just did what half of us want to do. <laughs> Um, but either way, you know, that even though like and as I said, I'm I'm on I'm still I look forward to the show because I'm a Star Wars guy, but I I will say that when we were before we started recording, you brought up the show that I think was a big surprise to everybody that's really kicking everyone's ass in a good way, and that's Peacemaker. Um yeah. DC has to me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, DC to me has shifted their tone dramatically in the last like four years, and I think have just gotten on track and embraced kind of their lunacy overall. Um, and this show, the Suicide Squad to me was so unexpected, and I just loved it. I loved it. And so that's I wouldn't have given a shit about this series had I not seen that, obviously. I love this show. I think it's perfect for James Gunn. I think James Gunn's better. Uh, with DC than he is Marvel personally. Um, but I'm curious where you stand on all this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked the suicide squad um, far more than I liked suicide squad. Yeah. Um, and the difference in the article proceeding uh, says everything, um, but wasn't like the hugest fan. Like I liked, I liked all of the actors, especially David Desmalchin, who yeah. I will always sort of ride or die for. Cause that dude is just like bleeding pathos wherever he goes. And so, yeah, the minute he shows up like, Oh, all right. I, I see what we're in for. Mm -hmm. um, like I liked it. I didn't love it. And I wasn't like over the moon thrilled for peacemaker, but you know, I'm the guy that I am. I'm still a nerd, even if I have issues with the nerddom. And so I was going to tune in and watch it and then found myself incredibly captivated by it mm. because it, it, it does the thing that TV gets to do that movies don't which is it gets to dig deep into character. It gets to pick one or two people and excavate their lives. And so to like understand why Peacemaker is Peacemaker, yeah. you know, to understand why that dude is as, you know, daffy and shallow, but open and candid at the same time and, and funny and tragic and horny and everything like He's yeah. he's a broken man who was broken in very specific ways. Yeah. And I think that like James Gunn really likes playing with broken people. And so this 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 feels to me emotionally resonant in a way that 
Guardians never had a chance to, that Suicide Squad doesn't, simply because we're getting, what, seven hours of this guy? Right. You know, and why he's this way. And and it, it's, it reminds me a lot of The Boys, which I did not expect The Boys to be as as sort of finger on the pulse of a show that it was and to be about things like supremacy and things like privilege and to introduce a character like Stormfront and for have Homelander to be the guy that he is, you know, which in in this current, you know, world stage that we're, we're playing on yeah. is incredibly relevant. Didn't see that coming. And I think that, you know, the story between, you know, Peacemaker and his father, the White Dragon, and what it's like to have to go home to Thanksgiving and discover that, oh, yeah, you know, the, the person who is supposed to love me and that I love, despite them, may or may not be hateful and full of hate. Yeah, so hateful and and so blatantly hateful towards his own son. Like, yeah. like, like just telling him straight out, doesn't didn't want him, all these things. It was, it's brutal um, on a lot of the and, – and Robert Patrick plays it so well. And I think – and John Cena, to me – this is the best role he's ever played. There's, there's, there's no doubt, and I think that that's that's all. It's a testament to you. Look at what James Gunn, and that has nothing to do with the wrestlers. It's just, a, it's just the reference of of Batista. What he was, what he did with Dave Batista, and what he did with John Cena. He takes these. He he really knows how to get the best out of them, and has done it so well. Because I loved Cena in Peacemaker. That was that was one of the things. Because I always thought he's just okay. Sometimes I feel he's a, he was a little too cheesy or over the top. Like. Bumblebee, I loved. Didn't love him in that movie, right? Mm -hmm. Tons of it. But this, for some reason, he's really gravitated towards this role for everything that you just said. Like you, you care about him, but he's such a douche sometimes, right? And <laughs> when he's laying on the bed at the one point, and he knows he's being a dick, and he's like, "Ah, no one likes you because you're you're such a dick. You could be friends." But what I really love about the show, and I think it's also going into that point of what you said, what you can get away with in TV that you can't get in movies, is that. This show consistently does this in every episode. There'll be a conversation that they're having about the plot that's specific to the plot. And one little sentence will be thrown out. It could be about a salami sandwich. And <laughs> it could then turn into a three-minute bit. Um, and I love it. And at first, I was like, oh, are we going to do this all the time? And then now I find myself waiting for it. Um, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's just so funny. And, and Gunn's really clever, and he gets to, like, kind of take his gloves off wrap it around with glass you know and go and go straight up kickboxer style with uh with van damme yeah no it's very it's very muay thai it's yeah. very it's very it kumite, it's really kumite television and uh, mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm here for it because yeah, yeah i mean gun is super smart you know he's he seems to have something he wants to say about the world yeah. and he's using this as the kind of candy coated pill to get us to swallow it and yeah i really appreciate it do you like right now um, do you do you agree with the assessment as far as that how DC has kind of shifted over the last four or five years and and because they were I remember that there was a one point I remember being on AMC Movie Talk and and everything that they were doing they were it looked like they were trying to model their style after what the MCU was doing and then at one point they shifted the execs and they said fuck this and it, and they start like whether it's Joker and Shazam and they well this kind of connects it doesn't who gives a shit just enjoy it and now you got the Batman coming out and they just seem like they they have hit their stride on what they're doing now yeah i think they 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 figured out that they could not beat marvel at marvel's game right you know and then and that they were you know 5 or 6 years behind the ball and so they're trying to play catch up and so you know then you get the sort of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and Wonder Woman and Justice League yeah. as the sort of four movie push towards getting to Avengers, you know, ultimately. And it was too fast. You know, it was too fast. It, it didn't have the sort of depth that 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 Marvel gave us, it didn't have the variety that Marvel gave us. Right. So it, it, it just didn't hit the way they expected it to. And so I do appreciate somebody saying, you know what, our ground game isn't working. Let's go to the air. And what's our right. air game? Like we're not connecting any of these dots. Like we're we're living, we're embracing the multiverse, yep. you know. And I think it's it's a thing that that, and I'm, I'm ascribing quite a bit of, of intention to. That they might have gotten from TV, you know. Like Legends of Tomorrow is as goofy and batshit crazy and a little bit detached from reality as anything that sort of James Gunn is doing. Like it's they're doing everything. It's like we're making an anthology show that happens to have the same people on the same ship and it's time travel, it's dimension hopping, and there's like doppelgangers and evil this and you know, all of it is is being contained somehow within that show. And so the ability to then take that to the movies and say, you know what? 
we're 100 going to do a comedy of shazam and we're going to do the batman a three hour long what looks to be like the darkest detective movie in the history of detective movies we'll get, we'll get into that that's crazy yeah. three hours long yeah you know you get Pope, Peace, peacemaker you get suicide squad you get batgirl coming you get blue beetle you get flash yeah. with old batmans you get all of these things that could not be contained in a single universe and they don't seem to care and so uh, you know w- whether or not i think that their batting average is as high as Marvel's is to a certain degree irrelevant, but they're now playing their own game and they're the only ones playing this game, which means that they get to win on their terms. And they're putting out cool shit now too. And so where it was like, as you, they weren't just, as you said before, like were they going after the same kind of model? And then they, they try to lighten certain things up and it wasn't working the right way. And, and now whether it's Joker or, um, you know, like like we just get right into it, the Batman in general, right? So the Batman, when casting was going out, so Roxy Stryer and I were on. It was Collider Live, and the casting was starting to get rampant. And I and we both had brought up. We thought Robert Pattinson would be fantastic, right? Because mm-hmm. just just I had just seen the Rover, I think at that <laughs> point, and um and I think Good Time, whether or not it had come out or not, it maybe just had come out. But I was like, people are sleeping on this guy because. Obviously, they stereotype him because of Twilight, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, after you look at what Matt Reeves has done with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and his and his horror senses of what he's also worked on in the past, I feel like this could be. And three hours long, I'm 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 skeptical, but less skeptical of three hours because it's Matt Reeves. But I am so excited for this because it's it, it's like it's seven, it's Zodiac, it's it's it, it's it's they're going to change it a little bit. But are you have you liked what you saw so far in the trailers? Um, I I think I've sort of loved it. You know, oh. like it's it's I mean it's none more dark. You can't get like blacker or bleaker than this. Yeah. And I'm also excited about the fact that hopefully this is the the zero point from which you then have to rebound into some brightness at some point. Like there's no darker movie than this darker. It's like let's take Nolan and turn all the contrast off and all the brightness down. Absolutely. You know, but but I love Matt Reeves as a filmmaker. I think I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I think, you know, War for the Planet of the Apes are masterpieces. You know, I think, you know, Let the Right One In is fantastic. I think Cloverfield is really smart. You know, like I don't think he's made a bad movie. Um and so for him to sort of kind of get under the hood and dig into, you know, who Batman year two is supposed to be and what that story is. You know, he's a dude with a fucking Dodge Charger that's right. got a rocket engine in the back of it. Like, <laughs> like that's just badass. That's badass. Um, so yeah, I can't, I can't wait for it. I do like, I do long for the days of the you know hundred and ten minute movie. Like, gone man. It's give me one fifty, man. Give, me, a, give yeah. me the sweet spot. Venom, Venom gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because Venom. We just we, we're doing a rewatch series of all the Batman movies right now on the channel as we lead up to the Batman and at the time of this taping, we just recorded Batman returns and what I, and I, I don't know where you stand in that movie, but I, I, I can't stand it. It drives, it, it, it drives me crazy. Um, but I know there are a lot of people who love it, but what I did say inside of it is what I will say about venom and, and let there be carnage is that they are clearly going after that nineties comic book movie feel. Because the the day once once the Nolan movies kind of came out and and then the Marvel started this high, kind of new phase that we're in now with what comic movies are and the way that we anticipate them, mm-hmm. there it wasn't that same kind of feel. And when you look at a movie like Batman Returns, you can see that same type of feel when you watch Venom because it's it's it, the lobster scene alone in the first one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. Do you uh, do you do you well, first of all, where do you stand on Batman Returns? And then do you also feel that, you know, Venom was going for that 90s feel? I feel like Batman Returns, because I, I also remember podcasting with Kevin about Batman Returns, is that it's the it's a Batman movie in which, and Tim Burton was very clearly not interested in Batman. Like, Batman was his least favorite character, because all he wanted to do was the bad guys. I want to do monsters. Right. I want to spend, you know, I, I think Bruce Wayne or Batman is in like 40 minutes of that first Batman. Movie. Eight minutes in the first 52 minutes. Eight minutes. Yeah. 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 Like there's there's almost nothing. And so the fact that he opens Batman Returns with, let's show you how these people st- like drop their infant child down a right. <laughs> sewer right. and then he gets raised by penguins and let's sell Happy Meals off of this <laughs> is, is kind of insane. 
Um, but you know, I, I appreciate it again. Like I like the Catwoman stuff yeah. um, more than I like the other, the rest of the Batman stuff. But yeah. I, I'm not that big a fan of that movie. The the one thing I will say is that I think the thing that that, that you know the '90s were good for, and Marvel has been good for, is making people unafraid to make actual comic book movies feel like comic books. Um, you know, like those people are wearing the uniforms they wear. Like Captain right. America is in red, white, and blue, and we're not going right. to run away from that. Right. You know, and I think that for a while, you know, the, the the DC movies were unwilling to embrace. Like that was the Nolan lesson: was that it's not a comic book. This is real. It's like, but what if it was also a comic book? Because right. that's not a bad thing. You know, and I think that you know, Wonder Woman embraced the fact that it's a comic book, and and you know, but Man of Steel, like, why why isn't he wearing the red and the blue anymore? Why does this look like like rust? <laughs> this right, right. uniform feel like it's been out in the sun for too long. Um, and so I think Venom is like very much we're making a comic book movie here. Like we're making a movie that's just kind of like balls to the wall. It's a little bit nuts. It's a little bit insane. It's very much in the spirit of the main character who's a little bit nuts and a little bit insane. And we're just going to hold on and hope that you all come along for the ride. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do. Uh, when I was, it's funny with going to, to Venom. I was, when I saw the first one and, and even it, I understand exactly what they're going for. Right. It's not, I just feel that now, I just there's certain things I like more, and there's other things that I like to. I, I, the the silliness kind of takes me out of it sometimes, and mm-hmm. I can embrace silliness when it comes to something like Peacemaker, and I can embrace silliness when because of everything you just said with Peacemaker of how it 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 just is this p- kind of perfect blend of shit that shouldn't work that does, and another show, and I don't know if you're watching it or not that I that I feel the same since since season one. It's Cobra Kai. Um, mm. And have you been watching that one? I haven't been, and I feel bad because I know that I should. Because everybody that I like tells me it's great. It's great, and if you're, <laughs> and what what I love about it is that the same way that, like you know, we we geek out about whether it's Batman or Star Wars, Josh um, Josh Heald and John Horowitz and Hayden Schlossberg, who are the creators of the show, that's how they geek out about Karate Kid, right? It's their Star Wars, and you can tell they they <laughs> just put everything in it, and they're. They've done this thing with the Karate Kid world that is fascinating. Like to me, like there's things inside of it. It's got elements of sports entertainment, right? It's got it's got Star Wars. It's got it's got 80s cheese. It's got drama that you actually they can they can shift to a really silly joke. And then I was watching these reactions of a, I won't spoil it for you if you if you're going to watch the show. But there's a um it's a moment that happens in season four that's pretty heartbreaking. And I know, and there was reactions from a lot of the top reaction channels that were doing it, and you see the emotion that it that it gets out of people, and they're like, "Oh my, no! Why did you do that?" And it's just like, <laughs> and that's the type of show, and and it's and you know what I really like about it though too, Mark, is that it's a feel good show right now, and I think we need more of those, you know, like it's not especially right now, the last two years, it's not a lot of fun shit. Yeah, you know, and I think that that all of the things that I've been responding to. I respond to the ones that are not embarrassed to be what they are. Yeah. You know, like I think, I think the peacemaker opening credits is the perfect encapsulation of that (laughs) where everybody is deadpan, super serious doing the dumbest fucking shit and like not embarrassed to be here. We're taking it seriously. We're taking ridiculousness seriously. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what, that's why I respond to this stuff. That's why I respond to, to filmmakers and showrunners and storytellers who know what they're they're working with and know the the sort of arena they're playing in, but don't ever condescend because that's the arena. They right. elevate because like, I love this stuff. Why right. would I not take it seriously? Why would these characters not take it seriously? Why would we not think that that sort of Karate Kid is this sort of great text of the 1980s? Like, because to us it is. And so we're yeah. gonna treat it that way. And I think that when you can do that, you'll find success because you'll find people like us who respond to it because we were also there. Yeah. You know, and so when you when you aren't embarrassed of, you know, whatever elements of Star Wars you're dealing with, you're not embarrassed of whatever elements of the DC universe is as batshit crazy as it is. We're going to drop like Batmite and Matter Eater Lad references and stuff like that's a guy who is not at all ashamed to have read every one of these comic books and love them and found a way to incorporate them. Right. You know, when when Marvel is doing sort of deep cuts and then refashioning things when they need to and like Civil War on the screen was far different from Civil War on the page. 
but the 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 crux of it is still there. Like right. these two guys who should be best friends and aren't, who have to punch each other till one of them submits. Like, yeah, I want to see that. Of course, <laughs> I fucking do. Of course, like, yeah. And you built it up in the in the way that you have. It's like you're you're setting up. It's almost again like setting up like whether it's a, a a UFC fight or a boxing match or or wrestling. I mean, it's like you're setting up these characters for so long. They finally, when it finally time to collide, that it's almost like a big pay per view event. Um, the other trend is a big tr- trend as you as I'm listening to you talk and I'm like oh yeah they're really leaning in into all of this stuff whether it's Cobra Kai, um, No Way Home, the, the Flashpoint, a lot of different things. The trend at one point whether it was 3D or whether it was uh, remakes, now the trend is nostalgia, and I'm kind of here for it because it can be dangerous. Because it was just like, oh, remember that, guys? Yeah, we ain't got nothing else except that. <laughs> but if you do it right, and I thought No Way Home did it right, and Cobra Kai is doing it right, I think that there's ways to do it. And I think that if you do it right with Keaton in Flash, in Flash, you can certainly do it right. So I like this trend. Are you, are you, are you hesitant of it, or are you also kind of embracing it? I mean, I think that nostalgia, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yeah, you know, like it, it almost always works to a point. It's like you know, empty calories. It's like yeah. fucking you know, cheez its. <laughs> you know, like it, the first couple are going to taste great, and you'll give me exactly what I want. Can you build a house on this? No. Can you build a diet on this? No. It's a spice. It's not the meat. And so I always get somewhat concerned when the only reason we're doing a thing is because people have nostalgia for it, um, as opposed to we found a really interesting thing to say, like. Creed, for me, is the perfect example of when nostalgia works well, which is we have a whole new story we want to tell, but the only way to tell it is with these characters. And so, hey, do you want to come back, Sly, and do you want to be Rocky again? And here's the story we're going to tell, and it's not about you, except it kind of is, but it's about this guy, and he's got his whole other fucking life to live. But by the end of this movie, you're going to play that fucking Rocky theme, and Michael B. Jordan's going to step out in those, like, Star Spangled Trunks, and he's going to punch a dude. I'm here for it right. all day long. Right. You know, and, but yeah. But you know, there's times when it's it's just it's 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 nos in a gas tank. Like it burns yeah. hot, it burns fast, and then it just sort of evaporates. And I mean, I don't think that was No Way Home. I think No Way Home did a lot with that because it could have just been, look, it's three Spider Man. That's cool, and moved on. Right. But then they dug especially into the Andrew Garfield. Spider-Man and like found a new story there and found redemption there. What I loved about that one was it's the same thing that I was telling you we were doing the, the, the rewatch. We did all the rewatch for the Spider-Man movies leading up to it. And at we just we kind of thought that they were all going to play in in a certain way. So we watched them. But by what was so brilliant about it is that all of those movies are now connected to the MCU. They're all part of the MCU. They're all part of it in general of how, when you watch it. And I was so glad that I did the rewatch because of exactly what you just said, that the emotional connections of, of all of them and not Andrew Garfield certainly was the one who stood out the most and has the big moment, you know, that, that we, for a movie that a lot of people felt disappointing, but the end of that movie with Gwen Stacy, everybody remembers it. And, and so what he's able to do in that, that's what you remember. But, I don't think Tobey Maguire gets enough credit inside of this movie because Andrew's stealing all the headlines. Is that Tobey Maguire? Like that third movie, some people love the Raimi third movie. I I think it's incredibly stupid. Um, but but when and he was and there's that meme of him dancing all the time and he didn't shake that. But the fact that they embrace it, that he was like, yeah, I kind of went through some 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 shit, and then I got, <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got more mature. And he presented himself as a more people. Like, oh, he's just playing Toby. Now he's kind of a mature Spider Man, and you understand where he was. And I thought that they played all three of the guys really well, even the, where Tom Holland winds up going. So I agree mm-hmm. that it, it could have just been nostalgia, but it had a nice arc to it. Yeah. So like when when nostalgia is being used by people who respect the power of it, yeah, and use it in like tiny places and like it's a sprinkle guys it is not our main seasoning because too much of it just becomes like caramel yeah you know like oh i can't my mouth is filled with it i can't even move my teeth anymore like i'm being (laughs) i'm being like welded shut by this sweet cloying thing that is nostalgia i'm hungry for Um, caramel i'll tell you that look look what i did there this this (laughs) this episode is brought to you by the caramel (laughs) caramel. (laughs) you got a sponsorship (laughs) by caramel let me check the inbox um 
A hundred percent. No, you're right though. You're right. But I do, I mean, I, I'm not going to let you get away with bringing up Creed and not talking about it. Like, so I'm like, I, I, Rocky's like, Rocky's my thing. Right. I love, I love, I love the Rocky movies and Creed. Um, I don't know. Do you, are you familiar with the story on how that all got made? Um, some of it, you know, like I'm, the, the, the pieces that I'm familiar with is that, you know, Ryan Coogler and, you know, a sort of childhood friend, you know, sort of like for Ryan, it meant the world. Like he was like, this is this, this, these were the movies that I watched with my dad. Yep. And my dad passed away. Yep. And so like, I want to get a chance to sort of pay homage to my dad and what these movies meant by telling a story of fathers and sons and a son without a father and legacy and, and all that stuff. And, and that ultimately is what hooked Stallone, who was like, yeah, you know what? I got kids. I'm a dad. I understand that I've been living with this character since forever. Like if this is how we put him to bed, you know, and I think there had been a draft of the script where Rocky doesn't survive that movie. Was that it? I'm not, I know. I know that Stallone passed on it the first time around, and then he watched. And then he watched Fruitvale Station, and yeah. and then he said, "Oh, wait a minute! I want to take a meeting with this guy," because um, the funny thing is, I remember in two thousand and three or two thousand four. So I was at the comedy store, and my buddy Steve Simone. I was there with him, and I was telling him, "I said, I, I have an idea about a a, a Creed prequel." And I wanted to do a Creed, Apollo Creed story, almost like mimicking the the Muhammad Ali story, but, but back in like the 50s and 60s and kind of how the different, how he's coming up. And and, and I was like, that's going to work. And then I hear this coming. I'm like, yeah, this is better. And, <laughs> and, and, and hearing it because I, I, I felt in Fruitvale Station had me like, I mean, I was I was in tears watching that movie. And I said, and that was the first time going, wait a minute, who's that? The director. I mean, mm -hmm. Jordan, I had known from The Wire and other things, but I'm like, who is that? And then, and then hearing that he was going to do Creed, and then I had the—I actually had the opportunity to talk to him. I went to Philadelphia to see the see a screening of it, and I got yeah. to talk to him. I got to talk to Sly, and I got to talk to Michael B. Jordan about it. And it's—it's it's what you were just talking about. It's that nostalgia sprinkle, but you got to have the passion behind it, and you got to have the drive for it, and you got to have the overall. This is what we're this is what we're doing here, and that's our end goal. And they had that and then some but how do you feel about michael b jordan taking over for creed 3 and no stallone can it can it can it survive without without that major nostalgia now with stallone being the major piece you know i think that it's it's in in, in a way it's fitting right because stallone made his directorial debut on rocky movies yep. ultimately because yeah. they wanted to make more and he was like if you really want to make another one of these then i have to direct it yeah I'm like okay i guess we need a rocky three so let's go have a rocky three yeah and then that's also the movie that loses mickey you know yep. that the trainer is gone and so th there is this sort of nice sort of you know history repeating itself where michael b jordan is making his directorial debut on the third of his quote-unquote rocky movies which will be you know without stallone involved like he no longer has Rocky as his trainer right you know i i think it's i think it's a it's a bold move for for Michael B because you know if he wants to step into that arena and it's clear mm -hmm. that he does, um, this is the way to this is the muscle that you flex to get that done. Yeah. Um, I think he knows the character as well as anybody does. I think he surrounded himself with smart people who can help him make that movie, you know. And because I mean Jesus, like making a seventy million dollar movie where you're the star and also the director and you've got to be training and you've got to be fighting and you've got to be in almost every frame, yep. like you you've got to surround yourself with the best team possible. And I think he has. But, you know, I, I wasn't as big a fan of Creed 2 as I was of Creed 1. Um, I don't know if I will, you know, unless you tell me this is the Clubber Lang story, in which case then, then, uh, then yeah, I'm back on board. <laughs> <laughs> and if Jonathan Majors is playing like Clubber Lang Jr., yeah. great. Then I'm in. Then I'm in. Then I'm in. Yeah. But I will still see it. Like, again, like the same way that we're Star Wars fans, we will see every Star Wars, no matter how good, bad, or indifferent they are. I'm a Rocky fan, and so I will see every Rocky. I will it's got to be Creed. better. Than, it's always the same answer. It's got to be better than five. It's always, <laughs> always the same answer. It's gonna, five would have been so good for two reasons, two things that really get me about five. First of all, put it in the ring at the end. It's like, oh, the doctor's like, we're just kidding. You're all right. And then he fights. He, he's able to fight in the ring. If, if, if it ends in the ring with the same shit that happened all the way leading, much better movie. That's, that's, that's part one. <laughs> part two is... This is the heavyweight champion of the world and the guy that was a was the biggest underdog of all time. Nobody's gonna give this guy a sponsorship. Nobody. He's gonna let, gonna let him live in the old shitty neighborhood. Nobody's gonna come in and give him a commercial. I don't care if he can't read 
like he like he did back in the day. It's Rocky. Put him in a video game commercial. It's stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah. I like Rocky Balboa more than I like Rocky Me too. Five. Me too. I like Rocky Balboa a lot. I thought that even though you know, you can say what you want about he that real HBO style of boxing, which was which mm-hmm. is fine. It's fine. But it, he got he got back to the roots in that one and he would walk and that's and what I was just saying. There's that scene that he has with um with his son when he walks in that was so significantly different in five. And five he's walking around the neighborhood like he did in number one before he fought Creed. In in Rocky Balboa, he walks into a place and everybody wants to take pictures with him. And everybody wants to, oh, there's the champ. It's like okay, you can we've seen athletes lose their money, but mm-hmm. there's no shot that an athlete that's lost all their money walks in and people don't treat him like there's the champ, there's the guy, you know. Yeah. In his hometown. Hometown. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but anyway, little things like that. But before, there are a couple of other movies that I wanted to talk about and things, but I wanted to talk about you and like what, what, what do you got? What are you doing right now? What's, uh, what's the latest project? Cause you, you wrote a full episode of Masters, right? I wrote a, I wrote a full episode of Masters in the first sort of chunk. Yes. Um, which was a ton of fun. A ton of fun because, you know, Kevin Smith, who I'm not sure if you know this, was running the show. <laughs> um, is also both a, a talented writer and a very kind showrunner, you know, and was like, hey, listen, we got we got great people in this room to come and help me make this show. I'm going to listen to what they have to say. I'll choose the things that I like and don't like, yeah. but everybody gets their moment to, in the sun and everybody gets their moment to sort of, you know, advocate for what they think is going to be great right. in this show. Um, so I did that. I think that same summer, I wrote an episode of um, Critical Role, The Legend of Vox Machina. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, and this was like two years ago, yeah. um, which is now coming out, I think, on January 28th. So I think in like three weeks, not even three weeks, eight days, three weeks. Me and oh, wow. me and Math, not good friends. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Legend of Vox Machina is dropping on the 28th. And I think, I think I wrote episode seven, um, but the, the, the run order is always a mystery to me. Like it's yeah. out of my hands. Um, and certainly that, that was a boatload of fun to do. Like, and I was not a critical role fan. Like I was not, a, I'm not a critter. I was just a dude that they hired who can write shit right. and sort of came into play and, and was so surprised by how warm and open these guys were about this world that they had created and they had been living in for years. Yeah. You know, like Matthew Mercer, who was the DM who invented yeah. this out of whole cloth, yeah. Yeah. you know, was like, Hey man, like I never thought about that, but if you think that could work, then yeah, let's do that. Oh, sure. Maybe that's the way this religion works. Maybe this. And he was, he was more than willing to engage with the thought experiments that the writers would have, some of which you knew the world very well, and some of which, like me, were like, I don't know what this means, but here's, <laughs> I think, what story would work. <laughs> it's like, you that's know, right. right. But isn't that, that that's, see, to me, that's this, that's, that's the thing where can work brilliantly. I know Matt, and Matt's a great dude, but like where you can do a, uh, you have, you know what you want to do. You have those people in the room that do know the world, they knew, they do know the stuff upside down. But as you said, you bring in people who can write that w- want to learn it because they've got the gig. So they're going to learn. It. Like, I'm sure like once you got the gig, you were doing your research to figure out how it, how it worked. But mm-hmm. like, but the, but the thing is, well, if someone says in the room, well, Mark Bernard, he doesn't know anything about it. Who gives a shit? He's a great writer. Bring him in. We'll tell him he, maybe he can come up with some great ideas. And then it pushes forward. That's encouraging to hear in general, because I don't always feel like people need to everything comes back to star wars but like i don't feel that people need to be hardcore fans of things to necessarily make it work but they've got to embrace it and love it when they're working on it because otherwise it's just a gig and they, and you can tell that it's just like eh, you know i'm just I'm yeah just here. it's like you have to be able to recognize the things in it that people are in love with yes and to kind of find your way to understand where that love comes from right you know but to also be able to question it you know and i think that that was that remains one of the problems with Star Wars where, you know, and I remember encountering this on the special features for episode one, where George would show the movie to people and they would all say, George, that's great. That's yeah. amazing. You fucking yeah. did it, George. And nobody, like, nobody said. Alum effect. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, man, like, I don't know if this is holding together. Oh, hey, man, maybe we're cutting away too many times from our main story to this kid in the cockpit of the ship. Like, like you need to be able to have people who can question it. And then you can take those questions as a creator and see why are they asking me these questions? And right. I know that it's not from a place of hate, but it's from a place of, could we be doing this better? Right. And I think that, that yeah, Matthew and, and Bill Willingham and Sam Regal and all those guys were incredibly generous with their world and with their time and helping to get a newbie up to speed. 
but also like, hey, great idea wins. Who's got one? If it's if it if it plays directly into the mythos, awesome. If it's a brand new thing that doesn't like fuck with the mythos, just as great. Yeah, I agree. Um, and hearing you talk about this stuff and watching you beat around, whether you're around people like Matt around Kevin, you know, well, are, are you are you in Clerks Three? Um, I'm not sure if I can say, but I did fly to New Jersey to to, to look at things. To look at things. <laughs> to look at things. Um, so, uh, the, and the reason I asked that too, because watching being around Kevin and you, you'd been in other stuff that he did. And do you, do you, do you want to do uh, like, I know that obviously with writing, that's, that's the, the first thing, but do you want to pursue directing as well? You know, it's funny. Like I, I, I wasn't sure because seeing Kevin do it, seeing other people, you know, other friends of mine who do yeah. it, it's an all encompassing insane job to do. You know, but, you know, I, I made myself a promise that I was like, you know, by the time I turn 50, I'm going to direct something. And and I did like I made a short film like yeah. just last December. We, we 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 spent, you know, whatever, two weeks in prep and four days of shooting. And now we're in post on it. And, you know, I'm still not sure if it's a thing that I would want to do going forward because it is so taxing. It is so demanding. I don't know how people like Kevin, you know, has the have the fortitude and the both intestinal and cranial to be able to do that on a long-term basis. It's hard. It is. And, but the only reason I, I, I definitely asked you is because just listen, before even having this conversation listen to you being a fan of yours and having like, you've got that eye. That's not just the writer's eye that you watch, you watch it in a certain way. Even when listening to you talk about arcane, yeah, you're approaching it from the writer's view, but you, it's that visual side and the way that you explain things that, I just thought that with with that with that gift and talent that you already have with with writing, a lot of people, a lot of the directors don't have that. You know, Kevin's got it, obviously. A lot of, a lot of yeah. directors don't have that where they just they got to get the script. But having it, and being able to do that, and you got friends in high places. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like it's funny. And then the other thing about it is, when you're directing, let's say directing a movie, you're living with that movie for like three or four years. Yeah. You know, whereas I could write an episode of Masters this week, I can next week I can go write an episode of this thing, and right. you know I'll spend six months on one show and then I'll bounce, and then you know like Picard I was on for for the yeah when the hell yeah. was that that was God was it 2019 2020 I don't remember how dates work anymore but it was like six months Years, you know yeah. it, right in the middle of the pandemic like I was on Picard and you know that was a great experience I had a blast my time in the Final Frontier came to an end and I went on to something else. Right, but if you're making a movie, if you're making a fucking Black Panther movie, you're, you're Black Panthering for four years. For years, yeah. <laughs> well, but 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 here's here's the thing, though, with that. So in that four years, and and some people, because you you also like you said, you you have the luxury, not luxury, but I mean you've been you've been able to have a job. No, you may it may not be there after the first season, and then you're able to bounce to something else, right? People, you've had that reputation enough. People are confident enough of your work. You're going to get a gig, um, but it is still scary. Like even like you said, when you're working on Picard, and like so, talk to me about that. When you're on a show that I don't know if, whether or not how you felt when you got Picard, if you said this is going to stick around a little bit, and then it doesn't, right? Like is that so? Is it one of those moments like? Sometimes I'm sure you might be looking around and saying, all right, well, then I'm going to start looking around and start working on this. And other times it's like, shit, I don't want to start looking around again. <laughs> I just had this. Yeah. You know, the, the, there's the constant push and pull. I feel it more today than I did when I first started, because, you know, when I was doing like Treadstone and Castle Rock, right. it was, am I ever going to get another job? You know, and I, I, I went like a year between gigs on both right. of those shows because like they were there. I was new. I was young ish younger and uh and 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 didn't have that momentum yet like i had a couple of like the, the shows were hot whatever that counts as but like nobody knew who i was as much as they knew what the shows were and right. so that time between got to be like i could use a job six months later i could really use a job eight months later boy job would be amazing right now right whereas now i'm at the place you know thankfully knock on wood I'm, it's it's a it's a blessed privileged place to be where I'm like, maybe I'll take a couple months off. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll just yeah. kind of put the brain to, to to bed. But I'm still I'm still a little bit that kid who's not sure if the next job is going to show. You know, it's like, the business, right? It's the yeah. business. It, yeah, it, it's like I got a kid going to college. Like maybe now's yeah. not the time to take a couple months off, buddy. Is he going to college now? I think when I first met yours. Yeah. 
he was, I think he was still in high school when he came to the Schmodown, right? I mean, no, he was, no, we, we, you met him fast seven, I think it was a screening for one of the fast movies. He, no, like no, he, 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 you, think you took him to, you took him to a Schmodown match. I think he came in, he came, oh, yeah? to, I think he came in a collider. Yeah. He, the, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think he was like 13 then. Wow. Oh, dude. My, my, my oldest is, is 10 and it's like, it just flies, man. It just fucking yeah. flies. Yeah. Um, anyway, so last thing to, to ask you about before I let you go, and thank you so much for being so generous for your time today, but um, when your show that you've been doing with Kevin, Fat Man and Batman, you guys have been doing it, how long, because, and, I'm, and you probably answered this a million times, and I apologize, um, but how, how did that show come about, and how did you meet Kevin in the first place? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Um, I met Kevin uh, when I was working for Entertainment Weekly. Okay. I, uh, I was assigned to do uh, an interview with him. I think it was, I don't remember what it was around. It was pre, it must have been like Zach and Mary. Okay. Um, oh. And uh, so I did like a short interview, like it went fine, whatever, went away. Then, then Zach and Mary Make a Porno was about to be released. And I was like, I want to do a filmography with this dude. Like he's made enough yeah. movies, let's just walk it through. And he said, okay, great, listen, but could we do it over instant message? Like I'm a writer, I'd much rather write than talk. This was pre-podcast kept, right, so I'd much right. rather write than talk. And so we did it over instant message. And every now and again, he would just pop up on my IM. At first, it was like, hey, man, do I use a semicolon or a comma here? It's <laughs> like, hey, man, which one of these sentences sounds better? You're a journalist. You know how this works. Right. I'm writing a letter to somebody. What do I do here? Um, and then we'd be like, hey, man, did you see the Hulk? And I'd be like, yeah, I saw the Hulk. And then, then it was, hey, man, I got a poker game in New Jersey uh, in the Secret Stash. Do you play poker? And at the time I was living in New Jersey and I did play poker. So I said, sure. So like, you should come down and roll some cards. And so I did a couple of times and then I would come out to LA and then he would say, Hey, you come in the house and see the movie. It's like, all right, I'll come in the house and see the movie. Um, and then when I moved to LA, um, he, uh, he said, Hey man, I got this podcast to do with my wife in the morning. Do you want to come by and be a guest plus one with me and Jen? I said, sure. So after that, it's like, Hey man, that was fun. I got this Batman podcast. Do you want to come by and, and, and do a, be a guest on it? I said, sure. Hey, man, that was fun. Let's do a, a, a commentary track for the Dark Knight Returns Part 1. All right. Hey, man, that was fun. Do you want to be the co-host of this thing? Sure. Like, hey, man, basically everything that I do with Kevin is Kevin saying, hey, man, and I just yeah. say yes. It's been, well, what a run it has. And, and it's, isn't that funny how that all works out? With just it's, it's all about chemistry, too, right? Because it's not it's 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 that's how with Mark Ellis and I, we we just kind of met through well we met through friends and then from being a comedy store and all that and just it's just kind of evolving and it's funny how you just you, you like talking to somebody and then strangely enough people like hearing you talk about it because you're having a good time and you're not bullshitting about it and i think that's yeah. what's fun about you guys yeah i mean it's we we are both dyed from the same cloth in a way yeah. we're both east coast guys we're both nerds we're both fat some of us fatter than we used to be some of us less so um you know we we, we both love this stuff deeply yeah. You know, and and the only thing that we want from each other is to be able to talk about it, you know, and to have a person for whom um, there's enough shared references, but also enough like new shit that we can learn, which is like I didn't grow up with Ken. Like I met him as a grown ass person. And so right. there's a whole wealth of of life experience that I have and that he has that I that neither of us are privy to. And yeah. so kind of like getting to know a person that you already have a lot in common with. Like we just started dating. And then it became a long-term thing. <laughs> it's a great thing. It's all, and, and, and you see East Coast. Are you from? You're, are you not from Jersey? Are you from? Are you from? I'm from New York. York. Oh, what part yeah. are you from? I was born in the Bronx. Uh, oh. Grew up on the South Shore of Long Island. Grew up in a town okay. called Baldwin. Um, Baldwin. I'm, so I'm from Queens. So we so we we probably we were probably in the we were probably in the area around the same. I spent a lot of time in Long Island also. So we probably yeah. 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 Like I lived in Woodside for a couple of years yeah. when I first moved out of the house, and okay. then moved to Jersey when I got married, and then. And that was it. Always yeah. a New Yorker, though. Even though I've lived every place else longer. Well, and now I know why we get along so well. Look at that. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, the great Mark Bernard. And where and where can they? Um, and obviously, for those people who don't know, for having a Batman, you can get it on Apple Podcasts and all that. But when? So it's on Kevin's YouTube channel. And is there a particular date? Is our time? Um, you know, in a perfect world, we would be every Tuesday night. Um, yeah. And when we're when we're shooting it live at the Cantina, those are the nights that we do it. Yeah. The Scum and Villainy Canteen on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Yeah. Um, but now it's more like Tuesday, Wednesdays on, yeah, YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. 
And there's like every episode we've ever shot, I think is still up there. I think you can get a decent chunk of the backlog on, you know, Apple podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Or if you join uh, that Kevin Smith club, um, you have access to every, every episode that's ever been done. Well, make sure you guys go check that out. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun. Um, And if you're not following Mark Bernard on Twitter, please do. do. He's a great follow there. And check out his work because the guy is very, very talented. And I hope to do this again with you, man. Hopefully we can do it in in, in person next time once this shit starts to go down a little bit. (laughs) Would love to. This was a blast. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Mark Bernard. And for you guys, once again, just a reminder, please subscribe. As I mentioned to you before, we're always looking for people to show an ounce of class to, to do that. Go ahead and do that, please. Will you do that? And hit that Apple Podcast, big thing, Spotify, all of it. It's a big thing. We'll see you next time.